Hi, everyone. My name is Erica Belofsky. I'm the Community Outreach Specialist with HD Reach, um, and I'm here with my co-host, Lauren Holder. Um, we are here doing the rare topics for a rare disease. This is the continuation of our series from Education Day and throughout this year, and I am so excited um, to have Dr. Jack Lamb on here with us today. So Hello. you, Dr. Jack, uh, for being here. Um, if you guys were at Education Day this year, um, we, Dr. Jack was one of our speakers and spoke on CBD and all things hemp and, you know, marijuana and just the history of these things and, and opened up conversations that, you know, I've heard so many people want to have. Um, so we're like, you know what, we're going to do a, we're going to do a kind of intentional video now where we will be kind of reflecting a little bit on some of the talk that Dr. Jack had that's recorded and up on our YouTube channel. Um, but we're also going to expand on that conversation now. So Dr. Jack, can you just give us a little bit of, for people who do not know who you are, tell them a little bit about who you are. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. Uh, it's a pleasure. And I really enjoyed, uh, you know, meeting a lot of the uh, people that attended the conference and the talk and things. Um, sorry for those, uh, that were the very front, I was getting over a pretty bad, uh, for respiratory issue. I wasn't contagious, but, uh, <laughs> you know, sorry for the coughing and stuff, but, um, Anyway, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I am a anesthesia trained, uh, double board certified uh, pain physician, uh, anesthesia pain physician. And, you know, I pretty much have transitioned to nearly 100% uh, pain management in our clinic. And it was, uh, you know, from there that I sort of, um, when the farm bill, uh, well, a little bit about my background, sorry. Uh, yeah, I anesthesia trained pain physician. Uh, I did all my school in Chapel Hill and then did all my training up in Manhattan. I was at Mount Sinai for uh, anesthesia pain fellowship. It was a, called a Tri-Institute. It was Wild Cornell Presbyterian Hospital for Special Surgery and Moral Stone Kettering. Um, after all my training with uh, residency and fellowship, came down here uh, and I've been down here with my private practice uh, for the last 15 years. And um, that's pretty much it. And, uh, you know, how does a physician end up, uh, you know, talking about cannabis? Uh, you know, it, it honestly started shortly after the Farm Bill made uh, hemp legal um, on a federal level in 2000, December 2018. And, in my pain clinic, my patient population, it seemed literally it was like in, starting in January of uh, 2019, it seems like everyone showed up and was on CBD. And, you know, they started asking me a lot of questions and I felt really unequipped to answer a lot of their questions. And they were taking all types of brands with all kinds of uh, results. And so what ended up happening was that there was a week of vacation that was coming up and I decided, oh, I'll just take a morning and just do a little research so I can speak intelligently, you know, and answer my patient's questions. And so <clears throat> from there, that morning turned into uh, to lunchtime, then the whole day led into the whole weekend. And I, I just could not believe all the information that was out there. It's just it's one of those classic examples of you just don't know what you don't know. And I went down the rabbit's hole and I could not believe how much information was already out there. Decades old research out of, 
you know, a lot of it was done by Raphael Meshulam um, out of Israel. Uh, unfortunately, he just recently passed away, but uh, he he did so much research and we know so much about how cannabis works in our bodies and uh, you know, it just the different molecules and how they all work and things like that. And so we're really only beginning to scratch the surface of what this amazing plant has to offer. And my focus in North Carolina, where marijuana is still illegal, uh, my focus is still on hemp and CBD. And so, you know, I, that's where I've been directing sort of all my research. And once I found out all this information, I'm someone that, you know, I love to teach, I love to educate. And if I learn something new, I love to scream it from the rooftops. Uh, that's why I've you know, started basically by creating a YouTube channel about it as well. Uh, if those are you interested, I've done like over 20 videos uh, on my YouTube channel. It's called Dr. Jack Has Your Back. I haven't had a chance to really keep up with it. I haven't made a video in a while. It's just been too busy, but there's a lot of educational material there if you want to learn more. And, you know, the, by virtue of the fact that I can make 20 videos without batting an eye just tells you sort of the complexities of this and why it took me so long to basically learn everything that I've learned. And, also, the other thing I did, I just took it upon myself on my free time. I would just, I uh, love public speaking, and I just started reaching out to these places where I've given talks before. So, you know, any conferences I went to before, any physician groups, uh, you know, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, any type of medical community, I would go and I created a PowerPoint slide, basically, and just would teach them everything that I've learned kind of give them the cliff notes and you know it's just kind of uh gone from there and uh turned into uh, then suddenly I don't know apparently I turned into some type of CBD guru and <laughs> people were asking me to you became the one. The <laughs> and uh which is great because again I, I love educating and breaking down stereotypes about this plant and everything else so yeah so I think we we, we do definitely do have a long history of uh I don't know there's a, I, I, there's a lot of misinformation, but I know there's a lot of history and we're still very, um, very young in the research realm. Um, so it's, but it's, it's becoming more and more asked about It's becoming, there's so much more interest and, um, and yeah, it's, if people want to know, people want to know the science behind it and people want to start having these conversations. So, um, thank you for being here. And, and if you guys haven't checked out his YouTube channel, it, Lauren, if you haven't checked it out, I love it. <laughs> I thought it was great. I, I do come in going, you know, I, I kind of don't know a lot. Um, and all of a sudden I learned how to, you know, use a, a, you know, I was able to go and look at your videos and learn so much. Um, and it really does take a lot of time. Cause like, I think your shortest video is still, you know, a good amount of uh, a little bit of time on like one specific thing. And you really yeah. devote time to it. Well, see for somebody who suffers from chronic back pain, I'm now going to go and look and see, because, you know, everybody has suggested, oh, CBD, this, and that, and I haven't looked at it enough. Um, so now I'm very curious and, and interested to see what you have up there. So yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Right. So for somebody like just completely brand new or somebody like me who's like what are all of these letters and what does it all mean is it not all the same what is cbd what is thc what is marijuana what is hemp like yeah so a lot of people um you know ask that question and rightly so because <laughs> as you mentioned there's just so much misinformation out there so mm -hmm. one thing to know is that 
the difference between hemp and marijuana, it's not like there are different species of the plant or anything like that. It's purely nomenclature is all it is. The federal government just decided to, for whatever reason, designate hemp as having less than 0.3% THC. And that pretty much doesn't you know, cause a euphoric or a high in anyone like marijuana does. Anything above that, uh, they, they deem it as marijuana. And so, so when they... We did the farm bills, you can extract CBD from hemp, and that is completely legal now, but you cannot extract CBD from marijuana, uh, even though you are, you know, even if you were to say sell CBD isolates, that's just pure CBD, uh, if they got it from a, a, th, you know, a very high THC strain of cannabis, um, that's still deemed illegal. So, you know, the laws, I mean, they're they're evolving uh, over time, and so the different that is kind of the biggest difference between the two is that one causes a euphoric effect, uh, which is deemed as marijuana, and the other one is less than 0.3 percent THC, which is uh, deemed hemp essentially. And so, what is CBD and THC? So CBD is cannabidiol, uh, THC is you know, what's commonly associated with marijuana and gives you the high, they are both forms of cannabinoids, which are within the cannabis plant. So within the cannabis plant, you have over 140 different cannabinoids and CBD and THC just being two of them. There's a ton of other ones. You have CBC, CBN, CBG, CBDA, THCV, you know, Delta-8, Delta-9, THC, Delta-10, THC. Uh, there's over 140 different kinds. Um, and so, and scientists are just now sort of starting to research them all and kind of break them down. Part of the big problem and one of the things that I always want to bring to, uh, people or make people aware of is that, you know, the government still schedules cannabis as a schedule one. It's up there with heroin and LSD, uh, if you can believe that. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it needs to be rescheduled because the problem with that scheduling is that, well, number one, it's just inappropriately scheduled, but number two, any researcher that wants to conduct research on a schedule one substance has to go through so much red tape to in order to conduct that research and so the research is sort of slow slow going because of that reason and you know but if you go like i always tell people a great resource uh, is just go to google scholar and so so just in google type google scholar and take it to the google scholar search engine and you can just pipe type in you know cbd and huntington's and you know, or CBD and, you know, muscle weakness or, you know, something like that. And it'll pull up all these research papers. Uh, they are, they are research papers. And so there is a sort of that, you know, it can be a little dense at times. Um, but I also feel like just in general, the internet is just kind of packed full of information these days, but uh, I read a lot of it, but just know that some of it is uh, sort of inaccurate. And I think a lot of people are just copy and pasting <laughs> other other websites and the same mistake I see kind of propagating itself uh, on numerous websites. But uh, anyway, so so yeah, that's the biggest difference between THC or uh, rather CBD hemp, sorry, uh, and marijuana. And CBD has been the focus because uh, it is one cannabinoid within the cannabis plant that comes in a very high concentration. And sort of one of the, it's been researched the most out of all of well, 
I don't know, between that and THC, I guess, um, of, of the other cannabinoids. And so we know a lot about it and sort of how it works in the body. But, you know, even after all that we know about CBD, we're still learning a lot more all the time and how it interacts with your body's own cannabinoid system. Um, That's actually what I was going to ask you. I heard from somebody that we have cannabinoid receptors in our body. Yeah. So uh, this was a thing that blew my mind. And this is the anesthesiologist in me in that, you know, right. So as an anesthesiologist, pharmacology, physiology are kind of like our thing and, you know, and how the two interact, like things have to make sense to me on, you know, a physiologic level, and a scientific level for me to really buy into it. And it's, that was the thing that blew my mind when I started learning, uh, when I first read the word endocannabinoids, anything that says endo means your bodies. And so if you translate it, that's your body's cannabinoid system. I was like, what, what, what does this mean? Your body's own cannabinoid system. And so you know, I started doing the research, your body actually makes its own cannabis molecules. And uh, the two most talked about are ananamide and 2-AG. And those two molecules actually, yeah, attach to the most common receptors that I talk about are CB1 and CB2 receptors. CB1 is more sort of concentrated within the central nervous system, like your brain and spinal cord. Uh, that's actually the receptor that THC mainly binds to. Um, and interesting fact is that, you know, people always want to, some people want to equate CBD with THC, but they couldn't be more different. People that know their stuff and uh, use marijuana recreationally, you know, mainly for its euphoric effects and things, actually, they don't like a strain that is very high in CBD. Because what happens is that you have a molecule like the CB1 receptor in your brain, face it this way, and THC attaches to it in your brain and it causes that euphoric effect. What CBD does actually, it comes on the outside of the receptor and it modulates or changes the receptor so that it doesn't bind the THC as well. So the more CBD you have, it actually causes less of a euphoric effect from the THC. And so, you know, I, I get these people all the time of like trying to equate the two. And I mean, if you think about what I just said, right, CBD is sort of the anti THC, if you will, uh, for the people that for whatever reason are so, you know, against THC or something like that. But, um, you know, then, I mean, you have, you know, things that make the, uh, you know, your body's CBD molecules and things that break it down, but we won't get into all that. I, it's a very complicated system and we're learning much more about it all the time. Um, you know, what I just explained is a very sort of generalized explanation of it all. There are many, many other receptors within the body that kind of make up the endocannabinoid system and, you know, like serotonin receptors, right, that are targeted for depression and anxiety and sleep and all these things. Uh, they're the uh, 5-HT1A receptors, the serotonin receptor, and, you know, that plays a, a part. Vanilloid receptors like TRIP, uh, was it TRIP-A1 trip v1 anyway but you know those receptors have been tied into like uh pain and inflammation and things like that as well and so you know all of this matters and there was this big uh there was a study that was done looking uh specifically at migrainers people get migraines and people with fibromyalgia and right with, even with fibromyalgia i deal with that a lot in the pain clinic we still don't know exactly what causes it well, someone did a study and they drew the cerebral spinal fluid out of those individuals. So that's the fluid that bathes your brain. 
And they found that their cannabis molecules of 2-AG and uh, anandamide were actually lower than what it should be. And so, you know, it, it just point, it's just one study out of so many that I've come across that points towards the importance of your body's own cannabis system. And so what does it do, right? Your body's own cannabis system is there to provide homeostasis. And what does that mean? That means that it provides balance. So, and it interacts with all the systems in your body. Actually, as a system, the endocannabinoid system has more receptors in your body than any other system in your body, more than your pulmonary system, your cardiac system, your central nervous system, your renal system, anything else, because it ties in all the different systems. And yet what's fascinating is that only 17% of medical schools even mention the word endocannabinoid system in their teachings, and which is another thing that I'm you know, trying to change. But because uh, if you don't teach tomorrow scientists, how are they going to know, right, to conduct research and sort of have these intelligible kind of questions or where to even begin to conduct the, you know, their own research, whether it's online or in a lab or something like that. Uh, but anyway, so the homeostasis is important. So I just give one example. So take, uh, let's say your immune system, right? If your immune system is too weak, you're going to get sick a lot. But if it's on overdrive, you can develop autoimmune disorders, right? And so same thing with inflammation. Uh, acute inflammation is actually good. It's your body's way of trying to repair things. But if it's chronic, that's bad. It starts to damage your body. And so, and what the endocannabinoid system basically either tones up, meaning it, um, you know, increases what it needs to do or decreases something that's kind of overfiring uh, within your body um, in those types of scenarios. And so it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. The entire system is very intricate. It's complex and we're learning more about it all the time. And, you know, my own patient population, as long as you're on a high quality and safe uh, CBD product, it, I mean, it's been pretty amazing. It's, you know, it's not going to work hundred percent for everybody. Everyone's cannabinoid system is different. Everyone's dosing is different. Uh, and, but it is amazingly safe. The side effects are pretty much non-existent. And it does take a little while to work. And that tends to be a problem because of the fact that, right, in today's world, we want it our way right away all the time. And a lot of people are just not used to sort of slowly bringing up their dose, trying to figure out where they need to be at and giving it time to work. And but I mean, I've seen it help my patients, you know, for all sorts of things, not just pain, but sleep, mood, uh, restless leg syndrome. I mean, all, all muscle spasms, uh, you know, all sorts of things. And it, it's, uh, it's really been remarkable to watch. It, is this like with, whether it's CBD, whether it's, I mean, I know marijuana is illegal in a lot of states, but I mean, should they be talking to their healthcare team about this? Like asking about CBD, asking about you know, if even being honest about their use of any of it. They should, but, you know, it's, the healthcare community is an interesting community. Uh, it is, um, you know, I've given quite a few talks to just room full of just MDs. And it's always amazing to me, you know, I'll, I'll designate a whole talk, hemp versus marijuana. And I'll give like a 45 minute lecture on it. And inevitably at the end, there's always gonna be some doc that's gonna raise their hand and be like, so what you're wanting me to do is get all my patients high, right? And I'm just like, were you asleep the whole time? What, what, you know, I just spent 45 minutes telling you the differences, showing, sharing studies uh, and all this stuff. And, you know, it, it's just, 
the stereotypes are just unbelievably strong. And, uh, you know, I've had, you know, I had, I still remember this one uh, elderly couple, her husband came in, uh, I think he was, I forgot what kind of pain issue he was having, but I suggested he take CBD and she got so mad at me. She was like, you're, you're a medical doctor and you're suggesting marijuana. I'm like, no, 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 there's a difference. I tried, she's like, ah, whatever, you know? And like, I gave her a pamphlet that I normally, you know, I've typed up myself to educate people um, and told her to go, you know, do her own research on it. And uh, that she has, you know, preconceived stereotypes that are just simply false. And, uh, and we can't even get into all that history if you want, but it's interesting <laughs> history as to um, the history of, uh, cannabis within the United States and how it became illegal. But, you know, next time, next thing I know, she's back next time and uh, she's taking CBD too. And she's telling me how it helps her sleep. <laughs> so, you know, so prop to her that? for uh, doing the research and not just for blowing sure. it off. Um, yeah, so. for sure. Um, is there a, a downside to taking it? Like, are there any negative side effects? Yeah. So if you go online and you know, Google CBD and, you know, side effects or dangers or something like that. You, a couple of big things that a lot of people bring up. One of them is that it's somehow uh, is going to affect your liver um, in a bad way. And I mean, that's just, that, that stems from a study that was done on mice and they gave the mice, it was something like, I want to say 675 milligrams per kilogram of CBD. So, you know, do the math of an average 70 kilogram person, you know, 2.2 pounds per kilogram. And I mean, you're talking about drinking multiple bottles of CBD a day. I mean, that's just, you know, you're spending hundreds of dollars a day and, you know, realize that if you go buy a thousand milligram bottle of CBD, that's a thousand milligrams in a typical bottle, that's 30 ml. So if you do the math, it's like 33 milligrams per ml or whole dropper that you take. And so, you know, I mean, it's just an obscene amount. And the researchers wanted to justify it by something called allosteric measuring, basically, where they kind of guesstimate, uh, you know, oh, well, this is a mouse, you know, a mouse, uh, mouse, and they, their metabolism, you know, in, in trying to account for the differences physiologically between them and humans. But I mean, if you just do a simple Google on allosteric measuring, I mean, it's just you know, it's everyone's just like, oh, it's completely unreliable. You know, you can't use that as a measuring system. And so that's where the liver damage part of it came from. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. And I mean, you know, the typical dose range, if you want to call that, is anywhere from 20 to 120 milligrams a day that, you know, the vast majority of people are taking it. And then the other thing is cytochrome P450 enzyme. And that's the thing where, you know, some of you that, you know, might have been told if you're on warfarin, which is a blood thinner, not to eat like grapefruit or something like that. And it's because it messes with this enzyme that breaks down drugs and things like that. And so, you know, that is also something that I have looked into. And it typically is something that I've noticed that only in the research that it only happens at higher dosages as well. You know, I have not, it's gotten to the point that I basically suggest CBD to all my patients and I, you know, I, I don't even look at really at their med list anymore. Um, you know, if they're on chemo and things like that, I do tell them, oh, you know, just talk to your, you know, oncologist about it. But I mean, they always typically come back with the same answer. You know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is that the amount of time and effort it took me to get to where I am to learn everything that I have learned about it was just 
mainly just sort of a passion-driven project. I mean, your average doctor out there, you know, between having to go to, you know, keep up with their CMEs or continuing education credits and, you know, keep their practice running, especially during COVID and the current, you know, healthcare environment. I mean, just, you know, the average doctor just doesn't have time. And I mean, it's just, you know, people, to answer your question earlier about, oh, you know, do you talk to a healthcare provider? You know, me not being anyone's physician that's going to be watching this most likely. Yeah. I mean, my default answer is yes, talk to your healthcare provider, but there's probably a 95% chance, if not higher, that your healthcare provider is not going to be able to answer your questions about it. Um, and I mean, I've had people, patients refer to me just purely to come in, make a consultation, just talk about CBD. And uh, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I, I think within hundreds of miles here, I might be the only doctor that knows as much about, you know, CBD and cannabis as, you know, um, compared to most people. So. Well, so, I, so I'm just like, I'm, I'm so in, like, I'm all about this. Like, I'm like learning so much already. I'm like, I, I went to, I was at your talk in education day. So I'm like, I remember the mice study and how mind blown I was about that study. And, um, but I guess, so with THC, THC, and do you know if there are like negative effects on the brain, depending on levels of THC? Like, yeah. you know, if, is there any type of uh, research that shows any type of side effects from that, depending on the level? Yeah, no, I, I mean, right. The majority of people or I'll say the majority, but I mean, we've all met people or had friends, have friends that you know, like to use more than their fair share of marijuana on a regular basis, right? And I mean, I think you can see sort of, there, I mean, there have been studies that show that, you know, motivation and, you know, things like that can seem to be affected. And I mean, the dangers to me, like you guys, I don't know how old you guys are, but, you know, back in like during the Cheech and Chong movies and stuff like that, I, I mean, you know, the THC levels that they, back then were probably like, I don't know, 10, you know, 15% or something like that. But I mean, you know, the problem is that as marijuana became more popular and, you know, the crazy thing is that people think that you, you need so much land to like satisfy, like say, you know, a country's usage of marijuana i mean you don't you know it's called weed for an example you know whether it's it, cannabis is in is you can go through four crops in a year as opposed to the vast majority of plants right and so i forgot you really don't need that much land uh nor that much finances basically to satisfy the entire united states marijuana usage and so you know when you I mean, just looking at it from a business perspective, right? So if the, you know, entry to it financially isn't too high and, you know, you can create a lot of it in a short period of time, then how do you differentiate your product, right, from anyone else? How, how do I get someone else to purchase my, you know, cannabis versus someone else's? And so people just started concentrating higher and higher amounts of THC. And I mean, to, to the point now that it's, you know, double, triple the amount of THC than was in, it was, you know, a few decades ago. And that's just abnormal. And so, you know, like anything else, you suddenly introduce that high amounts. I mean, that's why we're starting to see people, sh 
more and more so show up in emergency rooms and things like that. And they are um, they're just having uncontrolled vomiting is one of the side effects of this. And, you know, if you have a family history or you're prone to uh, have schizophrenia, it's been shown to sort of unmask that sooner as well. Um, and so, you know, there are some downsides to it, especially if you're going to be using it habitually and in very high THC um, concentrations as well. And so, yeah, there are some downsides, <clears throat> uh, but that's mainly with THC now, you know, in quote unquote marijuana, if you will, but if you look at hemp and CBD, CBD has not been shown to have any of those effects. A, it does not cause a euphoric effect. It does not cause a high. Again, you know, I talked about how it counteracts the effects of THC. Um, you know, CBD can be taken in very high dosages and it has proven safe. I mean, to the point that there are even pharmaceutical products on the market like Epidiolex, which is used to treat Dravis disease, which is a form of a rare seizure disorder. Um, and that is, uh, you know, it, it's, I mean, it's, that's a very high concentration, actually, dosage per day um, of taking Epidiolex. But that Epidiolex is what I would consider a CBD isolate, meaning so some of you that go out and purchase CBD, you may see on the shelf, you know, full spectrum, broad spectrum and isolate. And what isolate means is basically like 99% CBD and pretty much nothing else. But then if you take full spectrum, just think of it as it fully having everything that the hemp plant has, which means it has that little bit of legal THC of less than 0.3% THC. And that's important. I'll tell you why in a second. But then the other um, phytonutrients or plant nutrients within it too. And those are things like flavonoids, which is what gives fruits and vegetables its colors. And within the cannabis plant, they found, you know, things like canflavin A and B, which are two flavonoids that are specific to the cannabis plant. And those two products actually per gram has been shown to have better anti-inflammatory effects in the human body uh, than compared to say aspirin. And then you also have terpenes, which is what essential oils are based off of. And um, with terpenes, right, it, aromatherapy basically. And you know, in doing all this research, I was surprised by uh, the research behind essential oils as well. I mean, prior to you know, cannabis took me to essential oils to learn about terpenes and read all the research. Um, you know, I used to poo-poo just kind of the, you know, and once started, someone started talking about essential oils, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. And, <laughs> Get your lavender away but, from me. Yeah, but then, uh, you know, but, I mean, there are actually hospitals that have aromatherapists that go through, you know, like say the ICUs and it's been statistically shown that people get discharged out of the ICU faster. Uh, and there's just actually some really good research behind all that too. But there are terpenes that exist within the cannabis plant too. So, you know, then there's vitamins and minerals, a uh, little bit of vitamins like A, C, E, and K, but very small amounts. Uh, and then, so, I mean, you know, the three big components that I talk about, the cannabinoids like CBD and things like that, and then the terpenes, the essential oils, and then flavonoids, which is what gives fruits and vegetables colors and like the can flavor A and B that I talked about. So full spectrum is the way to go because the THC creates this entourage effect. What that means is that the plant all combined together and taken together actually is more powerful than if you take it separately just with CBD by itself. Um, you know, I've noticed that uh, patients of mine that take a broad spectrum, so full spectrum has all that, broad spectrum means it has the terpenes and some terpenes and flavonoids, but there's absolutely no THC. And it just doesn't seem to work as well. And so um, that's the difference between those. 
Sorry, I go off on these tangents. So you guys can No, I'm like that leads up perfectly with like, you know, I'm so seriously, I'm I'm typing notes right here. Um <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm very interested in this. And, you know, like you said, it, it works all together. It makes a lot more sense yeah. to take all of those, especially if there's anti-inflammatory processes in it. Um, you know, th th that's a big deal. Um, it's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, it's been shown that, you know, these, all these plant nutrients in the interaction of like the THC and the CBD and the terpenes and the flavonoids, like they actually help to cross like the blood brain barrier. They help to amplify and create these synergistic effects at the receptor molecule level and all these things. And so, yeah, that's why you're seeing that someone that takes a pure CBD product actually has to take higher dosages and still might not get the same effect as if they took like, say a full spectrum product. But the downside is that, right, a lot of businesses and things, if your work is testing for THC, then you can't take a full spectrum, right? Um, and you could take, say, a broad spectrum or an isolate, but you're going to do so at your own risk, right? And that's where, you know, um, you know, we could talk about what makes a high-quality CBD product, but uh, even a high-quality CBD company, they are not going to guarantee that either broad spectrum or isolate are going to absolutely allow you to pass a drug test because, I mean, there's plenty of people out there that use marijuana and take their product and then they fail, you know, a P test, they get fired and then they try to sue, you know, the it, right. If you're a company that says we guarantee that you can pass a drug, you know, it, it just brings about frivolous lawsuits. Right. And so no yeah. company's going to say that not because of lack of confidence in their product, and their quality assurance, but just to avoid that legal aspect of it, right? I think all of our bodies are so very different too. So I'm assuming, you know, processing Extremely different. differently. And, and... and that's sort of the problem, right? Is that when, especially Western medicine trained physicians like myself, it, we are used to, you have a disease, here's what you take, and here's the dosage. And this is when it should kick in. And these are the no side effects. Well, all that goes out the window when you're trying to take cannabinoids for health and wellness reasons. And so, you know, what you are taking it for, the duration of how long you've had this issue that you're taking it for, the severity of it, all these, and your body's own cannabis system and how beat up it is I, from, you know, from years of, I don't know, aging or eating processed foods and smoking and poor lifestyle and, you know, all these things that kind of beat up your endocannabinoid system over time. Everyone is different. And so, you know, you kind of pick a starting point and then you kind of titrate from there to see how it goes and titrate to effect, basically. Now, what is the best way of taking it? Like taking CBD? Uh... Yeah. So the... So I have a lot of people, right? They come in and they bought some type of gummy and they're taking it. And because the person at the hemp store told them that, you know, this is a good one and it very well may be. But the problem is that if you take something like CBD uh, by mouth and it hits your GI tract, it does not absorb well into your body. Uh, it's hard to get CBD into your body actually. And so it, what ends up happening is only three to seven percent of the CBD actually gets ever absorbed through the GI tract. Only three to and seven. So, three to seven percent. And so then there's the other commoner out, right, which is vaping or smoking it. But 
if you go to the American you know, Lung Association, it, there's, a, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why you never see any type of animal standing over something that's burning or, you know, and just inhaling. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of common sense in mammals. Humans are the only mammals that will do something, you know, will light something on fire and just, you know, inhale it willingly into our body constantly. And uh, the reason is because it causes lung damage. Yeah. And so, you know, anytime you burn something and inhale it, it's going to cause an inflammatory response in your lungs. And that inflammation ultimately leads to damage of the lining of the lungs. And so I never, you know, but those things, the benefit of inhaling is that it works very quickly, but also disappears faster. I suggest uh, using it sublingually under the tongue. I tell my patients to put it under the tongue, hold it there for 60 seconds, about an hour before bed. Um, I mean, the jury's still kind of out as to whether it truly does make a difference for something like CBD that doesn't absorb well, that's, you know, immersed typically in like MCT oil or something like that, holding on her tongue, like, does it really make a huge difference? I, I mean, I tend to think that it does based off what I see clinically, as opposed to just swallowing it, but I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the company that I talked about on that day, Green Compass, uh, full disclosure, I, I, you know, am, I mean, a consultant for their, their chief medical officer. And, uh, for a reason, I mean, because they make a really, really high quality product and is you know, fully lab tested and they go through the trouble of making it USDA organic certified. And that's a big deal because uh, just real quickly, the, the cannabis plant, it's an amazing phytoremediator. That means that it pulls everything out of the ground amazingly well. And so it, uh, a lot of people don't know, but during Chernobyl, they actually planted a bunch of cannabis everywhere, it even pulls radiation out of the ground. It's used to cleanse soil and all these other things. So if you have someone that say is growing cannabis, but it's downstream from say a hog farm or chicken farm or something, I mean, you know, it, God knows what is being absorbed into there. And so great, you get third party lab tested, but you also got to know, I mean, they, you know, they have shut down, the government has shut down labs before that were doctoring their testing for CBD companies. <laughs> and, and, you know, so, I, you know, CBD was trending for a while, a long time there and everyone, their mother was making it. So there was all these sort of nefarious players in the space, just trying to earn a buck or two. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's been you know, the quality has been become a lot better recently, but to me, getting a USDA organic certified one is important uh, and just kind of researching the company and, you know, seeing what they're about, what their priorities are. Uh, ideally, they are seed to shelf company, meaning that, you know, they grow it from all the way from a plant till it hits the shelf uh, within the store so that they can have all the quality assurances and verticalities there. And um, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, one way to make sure that you're getting sort of a high quality type of product. Uh, and again, if you're going to try first one full spectrum, if you know, if it's doable and allowed at work. Uh, but what, what was I talking about earlier before I went off on that tangent? We're talking about, uh, there's something else I was going to say. You were asking, what did you ask me? <laughs> it was, well, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I know we were talking about the difference between liquid and, and eating. Oh, it. yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, though, those are some of the ways to take it. And then the other, there's, they also, a lot of places also have like creams and roll-ons and things. I found okay. that that works well for like muscle pain and, uh, muscle discomfort and joints where there's very little fat and subcutaneous tissue. So things like the fingers, the feet, uh, ankles, wrists, elbows, knees, places like that, 
it can help. But I mean, people that try to rub it on their back, you know, when they have like, say, spinal stenosis or something like that, I mean, that's, that's a waste of your money, um, in my opinion. But, you know, much better to take it orally, sublingually in situations like that. So, but, uh, oh, so getting back, you know, the, so if you nano size the say gummies or jellies, so you know, Green Compass has one that's nano size that increases the surface area by you know say anywhere between five to ten fold, and so that means you get a five to ten fold greater absorption, and so getting a nano size uh, you know CBD jelly or something like that is better um, than uh, taking one that isn't. But you also got to be careful about that too because there's yeah I did a pretty. I did a video on uh, nano jellies on my YouTube channel. And, you know, I talk about how you can actually nano size it too small. And then it actually starts to accumulate inside of cells and or stuff like that. And actually can be bad for you and cause inflammation. So that's something else. There's just a lot to know. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 so boiling it down to full spectrum, uh, liquid under the tongue, doing your background and your research and yep. feed the shelf and USDA approved, making sure you do your research when looking into your CBD. Um, and yeah, I'm like, I'm like out of all of this, like, it's just, it's, it, that helps simplify things, but yet also it like also helps with identifying, like, it's still a complex, like you can't just go to your gas station. You can't just go to just, you know, it's going to be probably be cheaper. I'm assuming to go down the street um, to just pick up any type of gummy or vape or whatever. Um, but you're not thing. We're all, you know, that quality. we're all bargain shoppers. Right. And uh, especially yeah. in the world of CBD, because it is expensive. And uh, in the world of CBD, you get what you pay for. I mean, if a company like Green Compass, let's say, if they could sell you a high quality, safe lab test, a USDA organic certified product, and undercut the entire market, right? They would just dominate the whole space, right? If they could do that, they would. But there's a reason why you pay what you pay. You truly get what you pay for when it comes to CBD. You know, keeping that type of certification and those type of stringent parameters in your lab, in your field, in your, pro I mean, that's expensive. And, you know, that gets passed on to the consumer. And so, you know, you could take a cheaper quality substance. Actually, the... Uh, WHO and the FDA did some studies in the early 2000s where they went and pulled some bottles of CBD off the shelf. And one of them found that 70%, the other one found 90% of the CBD products that were on the shelves at the time either did not have what they said they had or had things like bacteria, mold, fungus in them, or you know other things, pesticides, uh, my, called microbials, if you want to call that. And uh, you know, I mean, so it's important for you to do your homework. Yeah. Are there? And any I did a whole video on, you know, what makes a high quality CBD. So, you yeah. know, people kind of want the synopsis and the longer version. They can check that out. For yeah. Sure. Sorry. That's okay. Um, are there medications that you know of that um, interact with CBD? Um, yeah, again, it goes to that cytochrome P450 enzyme. And I mean, the common one, the things that if you look up online, they'll talk about uh, like chemo drugs and blood thinners are sort of the two big ones. Okay. Um, and so in those two situations, you know, you, I guess you want to be careful, but I've 
have plenty of my patients on blood thinners and taking CBD, and I have not noticed any difference in their bleed rates. So, so how would how would you recommend talking to a doctor about it? You know, if if, if I say like I do go to a pain clinic right now for my yeah. chronic pain, how how would I go about talking to my doctor about that? I mean, I would just bring us say, hey, you know, I've heard a lot of good stuff about CBD. Do you know anything about it? And just ask them a very, in medical school, we talk to ask, you know, open-ended questions like that and just see what they say. And I mean, chances are you're going to have to go and do your own research. Yeah. Well, we're used to that in the HD community. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it's honestly in this day and age, right? It, it's, uh, I would... I love it when my patients challenge me sort of intellectually because it, it forces me to be a better doctor and it forces me to go online to learn the latest literature. And, you know, if you go to the U.S. Medical Library, I forgot what it's called, they have something like 33 million peer-reviewed uh, published articles there. I mean, it's impossible for me to know all that, you know, and every year there's something like 3 million more being added. Yeah. And I mean, that's why I think that you know, AI and things like ChatGPT. I don't know if you guys have played with that from OpenAI and things like that. I, you know, I, I think that's the wave of the future is going to take over healthcare as well. And I, I mean, it's just, you know, we live in an age of exponentials and knowledge. And, you know, there's, there's no reason for someone to not be able to become an expert with something unless you're, you know, financially in a situation, you know, socioeconomically that you don't have internet and a computer at home. Um, but even then I would say that, you know, you can go get a free library card and they have, you know, there, I mean, you know, where there's a will, you know, there's going to be some way to be able to do it. And, um, you know, I think that everyone should always conduct their own research and, you know, don't just take, you know, don't even take what I'm saying at face value. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'd like to think I know what I'm talking about, given all the, <laughs> the hundreds of hours. Look at all those books know. behind you. <laughs> yeah, that I have. Uh, yeah, I mean, I tend to, you know, go a little crazy researching stuff when I get really passionate about it. And because I want to learn everything I possibly can about it. So I don't misinform and misspeak. And, you know, that it was, a, I mean, especially if you're going to go on social media, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I remember when I put out my first YouTube video, I was just like, Oh man, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, I researched it and rewrote the script numerous times because, right, once you put it out there, I mean, everyone's going to be this hindsight critique person, right? And everyone is going to be able to Google stuff. And, you know, the minute you put it out, it could be outdated. Some new research can come out. And so, you know, I mean, it's a lot to sort of keep up with. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I would hope that anyone putting information out there always does their due diligence, but as we see in the world, uh, that's just not the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you one one more question. I have one more and I, I promise I'll stop because I know we're getting close to the end here. Yeah. Um, so for those of us with HD, um, you know, that have, if there are cognitive symptoms, um, you know, is there a benefit to CBD cognitively or not would be my, would be my top question. Obviously I know that it helps with sleep. It helps with mood and things like that but cognitively should there be a concern or not yeah so um so is there are you talking about side effects or just kind of benefits in general because of okay. uh, people with hd you know they they have um executive function issues um mm -hmm. things like that so is it something that you know with thc obviously you want to avoid that because it seems to distort 
stuff. Um, so with CBD, is that the same thing? Like, do you have to worry about your cognitive function being affected? Yeah, no. Right. I don't think so. Anyway, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, again, this is, none of this is medical advice. Anyone watching this, I'm not your medical doctor, uh, talk to your doctor, but you know, when you guys had me give that conference, um, is I actually have fun, you know, a lot of fun learning about the entire, I mean, also I know what hunting things is, but I never really took a deep dive, much less with it comparing to CBD. And, you know, again, for me, it boils down to understanding what is the root cause of any disease process, right? So with Huntington's, you have the HTT gene that has a mutation and that leads to Huntington proteins, right? Um, basically proliferating. And they tend to accumulate around nerves and basically impede their function. And then that leads to inflammation and down the spiral, you kind of go, right? That's, if you were to boil it down, that is the basis, um, is is my understanding as best I can in regards to Huntington's. And so, you know, if you think about CBD, right? I mean, when at the very beginning, when we started talking, and what it does in regards to creating that balance and in situations where if there's too much inflammation, it tones it down, right? And it, I mean, one thing everyone should know is that inflammation is the root cause of almost everything. It's the root cause of aging, disease, cancers, cognitive decline, you know, everything. I, yeah, it's, uh, I've, I've done so much research on inflammation. And so, you know, so that's uh, a big reason why I think that CBD is great because as opposed to taking something, you know, over the counter like ibuprofen or something, a leave or something like that. I mean, those, you know, I mean, if you have asthma, you have to be careful. It can, you know, cause kidney dysfunction over time. It can eat away at the lining of your stomach and cause ulcers and GI bleeding and all these things. And so, you know, taking something like CBD um, in situations like that is, in my opinion, a better way to try and control inflammation while I may. But again, you know, whether or not it works just as well, I mean, you have to do head-to-head studies with stuff like that. It's, uh, to me, anything that I suggest to patients, there has to be a risk-benefit profile, right? And so, in the history of cannabis, even if you take the most extreme form of, you know, of cannabis, say, I won't say extreme form, but even if you take marijuana, you know, there's never been a documented death from anyone taking cannabis by itself. Okay. I mean, yeah, many, plenty of people have died, you know, say from a heroin overdose and they found THC, but like there's never, you, you, there's never been a documented death from just taking cannabis. And so, you know, but look at everything else. I mean, it, it's, uh, that's very significant. It? I don't think people realize how significant. That is that there's not been a death related to it because you think about how many deaths have been related to opioids or um, other medications that are out there and for there not to be a documented death at all. That's huge. That's a huge. And again, it's a matter of how it works with our bodies. And, you know, if one begins to understand that, then you can understand why there hasn't been a documented death from that. And there was actually a study done, I want to say it was done by the FDA, possibly, of 17 different FDA-approved drugs compared to cannabis. Mm-hmm. And it was over a period of several years. I can't remember how many, it was like like a thousand and some people died from the people from those 17 FDA-approved drugs. And from cannabis, the amount of people that died a big donut. That's amazing. Yeah, and so I mean, that's why I always 
I mean, I don't laugh, but like inside, I kind of give myself a little chuckle when people, you know, they're so against cannabis, you know, to even try it in a safe, you know, cannabinoid form like CBD. And then, you know, I was just, I just say, are, do you take any medicines? You know, do you take Tylenol? You're taking ibuprofen. Have you, have you ever looked up how many people died from that a year? And uh, I mean, you know, Tylenol from liver disease and, you know, ibuprofen from all those other things. And I was like, now go and research cannabis. Now we'll say, and I did a video, (laughs) it was the only, the one video of mine has kind of gone viral is the Delta 8 THC (laughs) one. Um, You know, know that that's totally different. I mean, that Delta 8, Delta 8 is a naturally occurring cannabinoid in the cannabis plant but it's in very, very small quantities. People are using all these exotic ways and these reagents to make it. And the byproducts is what's dangerous. And, you know, in that video, I talked about four-year-old that got a hold of their, you know, their mom's apparently Delta aid and the kid had a seizure and passed away. It was terrible. And, you know, apparently no history of seizures and things like that. And I mean, that was a situation where I think that it wasn't the Delta eight THC that you know, it created that outcome. I think it was the unknown byproducts from the reagents and God knows what they use to create, because the Delta-8 to be sold in that amount is being made from CBD. And to force that ring closure on a molecular level, you have to cr- use these reagents to make that happen. And so it's, uh, anyway, but, you know, just be aware of that too. No, that's good. It's good to know. I mean, I, I've had people suggest Delta 8 to me as well. <laughs> so to Not hear- take Delta 8. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, stay away from Delta 8. It is, you know, the problem is that a lot of people are using Delta 8 in states where Delta 9 THC, and that's like the typical THC that people associate with marijuana and things like that, um, is illegal. So where Delta nine is illegal is where Delta A flourishes because, right, I think about what I just said. So it is legal to make CBD from hemp. And then they take that CBD, cause a chain react, a reaction through these unknown agents, reagents, the various reagents that they could use, and they're making Delta eight. So it's technically a loophole. Um, and in my opinion, it's a loophole that needs to be closed uh, because, or just maybe it doesn't need to be closed, but it definitely needs greater oversight um and because it it just and that's the problem is that there's no oversight in this industry at this time Mm -hmm. and so you know people can say whatever they want and well almost anything they want you can't make like wild claims about it and i mean you know it's crazy you can you know the fda gets so upset if you make a bottle of cbd and put on shelf and say this will you know uh treat uh let's say insomnia or anxiety or depression they, they get so upset about that and they might shut you down but they are okay you know and not knowing whether or not you did lab tested or how you you know what what parameters you went about creating a safe and valuable product you know just as long as you don't make wild claims I, I don't know I mean I just think a lot more should be done in the space in regards to sort of cleaning it up if you will um, so that the consumer can find a safer, cleaner product um, with higher efficacy. Yeah. And yeah. so, because so many people come to me and they say, oh yeah, I've tried CBD. And then, you know, I walk them through and point them towards a higher quality, safer CBD product and it works. And whereas it didn't before. 
Now, is there any type of website or is there any type of, uh, I guess, where you might get like, you know, up-to-date information on, you know, Delta? I mean, I know, I think your YouTube channel's phenomenal and everybody needs to go to your YouTube channel to see that. But is there anything that you personally would recommend, um, you know, if people do want to stay up-to-date in the CBD world or just things like that? Yeah, there's some great ones. Uh, The ones that I frequent are websites like cbdorigins.com. Another one is called leafly, L-E-A-F-L-Y.com. Those are great ones. Um, They're great books. Uh, I'd have to find them in my stack of shelves, but uh, book of shelves. Um, But uh, some great books out there. Again, Google Scholar is a great resource. Um, You know, if anyone is watching this still, you know, it's like, oh, you know, the stereotypes of cannabis. Go watch... uh, Sanjay Gupta from CNN, he did a four-part series over a span of several years. Um, I think it's just called Weed, and it's on um, YouTube, so you can watch for free. And I mean, watch that. If you don't walk away, he basically goes to and interviews, you know, people, patients, and uh, researchers and things. I mean, if you don't walk away watching that four-part series and change your mind, about your viewpoints and stereotypes on cannabis, then I don't know what will change it. Then you're you're too rigid. Think about your mindset. <laughs> so. That was one of my favorite things from your from your from your chat um, at Education Day. I, I even wrote on my piece of paper. I'm like stereotypes are powerful, and mm-hmm. I'm like I just love that because it. I mean, we, as an HD community, there's a lot of stereotypes. There's a lot of history of taboo topics. There's a, there's a history of things that just have not been talked about. So I would, you know, compare some of it similarly to just CBD and where there's this, this history and this, this, this stereotype. Um, And it just, we all need to be doing our own research. We all need to be talking about it, opening conversations and inquiring and being louder, I guess, you know, being louder, do your research, talk to professionals who are really immersing themselves now. Um, and let's, let's try to change that, I guess. Let's, let's change that. I'm, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. Stereotypes are right. It's once you have a stereotype in your head, as with it, pretty much anything in life, right? I mean, we, you, you tend to see what you want to see and you tend to just gather confirmation bias and you tend to be very quick to dismiss information that goes against your thought processes and very quick to accept things that actually go in line with it. It's human nature. Many studies have been conducted on, you know, how humans basically, you know, have this mindset and it's, you got to fight against it. I mean, you know, you got to look at everything in life with an open mind. And uh, I mean, you know, see the world as if through the eyes of a child and everything should be experienced anew and, you know, to be researched and learned. And, you know, everyone, even if they have a different opinion, you know, you should be, you, that doesn't mean you can't learn something from them. Yeah. Yeah. Period of deconstructing. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Dr. Lamb, thank you so much for sharing all this information. It's been very helpful. Yeah, you're most welcome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Wonderful, Dr. Lamb. We, we, we thoroughly appreciate it. And just thank you. Thank you so much. So you guys, please, what your YouTube channel again, Dr. Lamb. Dr. Jack has your back. Dr. Jack has your back. I'm sure he does. So go to his YouTube channel, check out his videos. They are excellent. Mm-hmm. This is going to be up on our YouTube channel along with his uh, his 
his talk at Education Day this year. Um, and we're just, we're grateful to have you and your knowledge. So thank you so much, Dr. Jack. All right. Thank you. You guys have a great day. Take care.